The book of Nehemiah brings us to the end of the second portion of the book, part two of the book. And following this, we'll get into the poetic book, something that should be a change of pace and exciting. But the book of Nehemiah on page 154 will get us to that place. The book of Nehemiah is broken up into two parts. You can see the outline on page 155. There's the rebuilding of the walls, chapters 1 through 7, and the revival and the reform in chapters 8 through 13. Nehemiah is probably the author of the book, and it's written somewhere around 425 B.C. in the reign of Artaxerxes, following the reign of Xerxes. Important data about the book of Nehemiah. Keywords are political restoration. The key chapter is chapter 6 and the rebuilding of the walls in Jerusalem. Key verses, chapter 1, 4 through 11, 2, 17, 5, 14, and 6, verse 15. Nehemiah, Artaxerxes, and Ezra are the main characters. And the meaning of the book, of, of the name Nehemiah, is simply the central person in the book. And the geography is Persia and Palestine. The purpose of the book, left-hand column on 154, is to show God's work through the godly leader, Nehemiah. The book records the building, fortifying, and reestablishing of the city of Jerusalem. It reveals the beautiful balance in the life of Nehemiah between human effort and the divine empowering. Nehemiah is a great planner but someone who waits on the Lord as well. The book covers 12 years, from the years 444 to 432 B.C., and this is based on the two time notations that we see both in chapter 1, verse 1, and then chapter 13, verse 6, the 20th and then the 32nd years of Artaxerxes' reign. So the background points, Nehemiah was living in Persia in 445 and he received news that Jerusalem wa- Jerusalem's walls were broken down and its gates were burned. His response was that of sorrow. It's highly unlikely that Nehemiah's sudden grief was due to Nebuchadnezzar's destruction of Jerusalem over a century earlier. Rather, uh, Ezra 4.6 provides some background information for the book of Nehemiah, which furnishes a plausible answer. The passage records the opposition of the Jews' enemies in Palestine from the days of Cyrus to the days of Artaxerxes. In the days of Artaxerxes, some Jews were evidently beginning to rebuild the wall. And as we saw in the book of Ezra, the building of the wall came to a halt. And while King Artaxerxes did not order the wall to be destroyed, the enemies of Israel took it upon themselves to do so. And this would have frustrated Nehemiah, and he agonized over Israel's future. Page 156, we see the contemporaries of Nehemiah. When Nehemiah arrived in Jerusalem in 444 B.C., Ezra, the scribe, had been there for more than a decade. The scriptures are clear that these two men ministered and worked alongside each other. Nehemiah 8 says that in chapter 12 as well. And after staying in Jerusalem 12 years, Nehemiah returned to Persia in the 32nd year of Artaxerxes. After an undetermined length of time, he returned again to Jerusalem. He found that certain sins were quite visible among the people, and the prophet Malachi dealt with the same sins, which strongly suggests that Either Malachi ministered while Nehemiah was in Jerusalem the second time, 
or he prophesied during those days when Nehemiah was absent from Jerusalem. Now let's summarize the book. We're still on Ben Ware, page 156 in the bottom of the left-hand column. And we see that Nehemiah receives a report of the desolation of Jerusalem. And so he prays, and he spent about four months doing so. He confessed the sins and prayed also for favor from King Artaxerxes. He receives that favor, and the position of cupbearer would have put him in a highly trusted relationship with the king. He makes the request and returns to Jerusalem in chapter 2. And upon arriving, it says on page 156, right-hand column, about middle of the page, he quietly surveys the damage and then presented his plan to the people. And you see, Nehemiah exhorts the people to rebuild the wall. He identifies himself with the people and the problem as he addressed them and shared his vision. The project was organized and involved everyone. Let's take a moment and look at the uh, chart that gates the walls and the tower towers of Jerusalem. And simply you can see the city of David. You can see Hezekiah's tunnel. Get yourself familiar with these uh, various names. You see the brown line is the probable city wall under Nehemiah that was built. All right, refer back to these when you're thinking about the book of Ezra and Nehemiah and the building of the wall. So the project was well organized, but there was opposition. You see that opposition in chapter 4 through 6. Not only did opposition come from the outside, it came from Jews within. But Nehemiah was a man of prayer and wisdom, and he was able to lead the people through the difficult times and build the wall in a matter of days, 52 to be exact, as we see in chapter 6, verses, verse 15. All right, then page 159, Nehemiah's registration of the people, chapter 7, verses 1 through 73. Once the, people, once the walls were completed, Nehemiah asked a tenth of the people to come live within the city. He organized a militia to defend the city, and it should be noted that although the walls were essentially finished, more work needed to be done in strengthening the walls and rebuilding the city itself. Then there were reforms and revival in chapters 8 through 13, and the great Bible reading led by Ezra, chapter 8. It's a mistake, Benware says, page 159, the left-hand column, towards the bottom of the page. It's a mistake to think that Nehemiah was concerned only about the physical restoration of the nation. He was deeply committed to teaching the nation to live according to its constitution, the law of Moses. Ezra read from the law and explained its meaning to the thousands who were gathered Beloved, this is what we're called to do when we preach the Word of God at any point. We want to simply let God speak for Himself, but wherever there's confusion in some sort of definition, something that's not clearly um, obvious to those who are listening, then we want to read in such a way so that there's understanding. That's really the job of any preacher. We're not supposed to be preaching our mind, preaching what comes from us. We're supposed to be as it were, uncovering the plain meaning of the text of the Word of God. Okay, continuing 
revival and its results. Any genuine revival is based squarely on the Word of God. Revival is a new beginning of the obedience to God and His Word. Any genuine revival will bring about changed behavior. These chapters record not only the confession of sin, but a change in living. The people in the land, chapter 11 and 12, that's necessary to populate the city of Jerusalem, and Nehemiah was concerned that they that it be repopulated with Jews. He handled this and other issues of organization in a straightforward, forthright manner. And then chapter 13. When Nehemiah left Jerusalem, much of his influence left as well. During his absence, certain sins came up. When Nehemiah returned, he zealously dealt with the offenders. Read that in chapter 13. He knew how to tolerate clear violations of the law that if they tolerated it would bring discipline from God. The last thing they wanted to do was to enter back into some sort of um, captivity because of sin or some sort of war or judgment. With the reforms in Nehemiah, the Old Testament comes to a close. And there's no divinely inspired record for the next 400 years. And the silence is broken when Gabriel announces the birth of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. And with that, we come to a close of part two, and we get to uh, enter into the poetic books in the next lesson.